Tech Talk with Matthew Dickerson. Matthew Dickerson. Tech Talk. Sit back and relax. It's time to talk technology. Hello, tech junkies. It's time for another installment of Tech Talk with our guru, Matthew Dickerson. Uh, with another digital carpet bag full of news to send us headlong into the future. G'day, Matt. How are you going? Yeah, good. Thank you, James. I, I always love the intros from you. I never know what I'm going to be called or what premise is going to be put up this well, week. Well, I'll keep you waiting for the next week's one as well. Uh, tune in, folks, for that one. But uh, we've still got to get through this episode. We do. Um, look, like a lot of folks out there, I've got quite a bit of lawn at home. When I weed my lawn, I tend to take the manual labour angle and just rip them out by the roots, right, rather than spray a ton of poison. I'm not, not all up for that poison, but I can't imagine doing over eight hectares of it. What's the latest in large-scale weed whacking for us? Well, it's got to have lasers, hasn't it? Because lasers are cool. Yeah, it's got that element of Doctor Evil. Yeah, uh, I'm going to use lasers. Yeah, to, uh, <laughs> I was actually thinking, you know, like more like Star Wars and yeah, stormtroopers yeah, yeah. or whatever it is that excites you. But lasers are just generally cool. Yeah. But there's an autonomous robot that's been designed that effectively goes along your paddock, and I'm assuming a bit more land than you might have in your garden at home. It's designed for farmers, obviously. Yeah, I'm reading here, eight hectares. That's, yeah, uh, yeah, so you probably haven't got talk. quite that much backyard. Maybe you do, I'm not sure, <laughs> but, but probably not. But the idea is that this will go along and it's designed to have GPS, so it's got accurate location of where it is. It's got a supercomputer on board, because why not? And it's got 12 cameras to see exactly what's underneath the robot as it goes along. And then not just a laser, that would only be so cool, but eight lasers. If, if one's good, then eight's got to be eight times fantastic. better. And it has got that element of Star Wars who would just zap those, those weeds That's right. That's it. And it zaps, them, it zaps them at the rate of about 28 weeds per second. So oh, it's not mucking around. So in an hour... <laughs> Where do I get one? Well, that's right. Well, you can't get them at the moment. They're, they're sold out for this year. Oh, wow. You can only order a model for next year. But obviously the idea here is to try and make it a bit easier from a farming sector perspective, to make the efficiency better. The equivalent, if you like, people that would do this same amount of work would be about 30. So if you've got farm workers weeding your paddock, you've got 30, they can do that rate. That's pretty incredible. I thought 100,000 weeds an hour for humans, 30 humans, but 30 humans being replaced by one robot, that's pretty impressive from that robot as well. Yeah, and they're they're designed for agriculture, aren't they? It's not for... for your average Joe in their urban backyard. Well, it depends if, you, if you've got a lot of money and you've got a bit of a backyard to yeah, cover, but <laughs> you are right. It's designed for agriculture. Yeah, and so um, I think anything that uh, requires you to spray less chemical, I think has got to be a win on all fronts, doesn't it? And there have been some robots that have been designed like this one that have actually used a herbicide, so they are using a chemical, very targeted and very focused. But yeah, but still if it, using yeah, it's focused, but where you've got to spray it sort of sort of generically over your crop. Yeah, that's right. But even even those ones where it does target it and just has a small amount of, of chemical put on each plant, it's still putting some chemical there. When they have other ones that go on, as you said, rip out the, the weeds by the roots and, and the humans that are doing that are doing the same thing, then again, you're disturbing the soil, and every time you disturb the soil, it's probably not quite as efficient as keeping all those nutrients locked in. What's really cool oh, about this... You also prepare the soil for more weeds to come in Well, too. you're yeah. exactly right, yeah. So the, the cool part about this is it hits each weed with a laser, so it obliterates that weed without really disturbing the soil and without using any sort of herbicide. So it's a win-win all over. As I said before, they're sold out, so they've been that popular. They just can't make enough of these to actually keep up the demand at the moment. And I can imagine you'll see larger models. This one goes along about eight kilometres an hour and does eight hectares in a, in a day, if you like. But you can see larger models coming out that will do more weeds per hour, cover yeah, more hectares. Yeah, this is just the start. This, this is, is just amazing, the start. yeah. I'm yeah. uh, looking forward to the rest of it. Cars are getting smarter 
we all know that. But now they're trying to see around corners. Well, what's all this about? Well, it's it's light that they're trying to get to travel around corners. And people say, well, you can't really have light that goes around corners. You can't bend light. And and I am reminded, we'll, we'll throw a bit of yeah, poetry look, in here now, James. In all my physics teaching, I'm pretty sure you can't just bend light around corners, unless there's a bit of diffraction. But look, you're going to tell us some more here. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm going back to Einstein's general theory of relativity here. Oh. And I remember, I don't remember being there, but I remember studying it at, at school and uni when Sir Arthur Eddington actually observed Einstein's general theory of relativity. Einstein knew it was right. Everyone you know, around the rest of the world went, no, I'm not quite sure if this is right. And Einstein, of course, as with many things, he went, no, no, it's right. It's obvious. <laughs> well, Sir Arthur Eddington was about 102 years ago. He observed bending of light. And he wrote a little poem which goes like this. Oh, leave the wise our measures to collate. One thing at least is certain, light has weight. One thing is certain and the rest debate. Light rays when near the sun do not go straight. So, yeah, you can bend light if you've got something that's got a fair bit of mass to use a fair bit of gravity, like the sun, to bend it. But here on Earth, Ford are trying to come up with a way to almost bend light without having the sun to actually bend that light. Yeah, right. So they're, they're, they're making super heavy cars or something to hang out in front of it that's really heavy. No, mate. It, it sounds good. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> but what they're doing is, and I've driven cars oh, years ago. I remember buying the first car that you turned the steering wheel and the lights would move into a corner. I thought, oh, that's really cool technology. Yeah, that's just cool. But you, you tended to find that it didn't actually help that much because you're into the corner and you're turning the steering wheel and then the, the light started turning. Ford are now using all the information that's already there on their car. It's got a GPS. It knows how fast it's going. It knows the mapping around the area because of the maps that are installed in it. And effectively, they're saying, well, why wait until the driver turns the steering wheel? Why don't we start to turn the lights around the corner before the human gets there, before the car gets there, oh, but wow. you know you're going to be going in that direction. So those sneaky pedestrians on that left-hand turn there, yeah. right? So this has got to have an impact on on you know, the sort of accidents that, that are happening at night time, surely, yeah. Absolutely right. And the idea here is that when you're a human, you're driving along and you look to the inside of the corner as you're about to turn there because you're going to look where you go before, but the lights are still shining straight ahead. But with this, as you're coming up towards the corner, again – depending on your speed, depending on the maps that are loaded in your car, you'll start to look, but your lights will also be turning that way. And exactly as you say, whether it's a pedestrian there, another vehicle, maybe some of those pesky kangaroos that like to hide yeah. and, and in the dark spots on the side of the road, all of those things there will start to be lit up by these lights shining around the corner. Oh, I can only help. It can only help. And, and certainly you know, driving at night, obviously, has got the highest fatality rate. There's the stats that show that. And it's not just for drivers. That's for drivers and pedestrians. So anything that can help us light up the night or light up the right direction, the, the past has often been just put brighter lights on. You know, people talk about how many watts of lights have got on the front of their car to light up the night, but it still might be shining in the wrong direction. So this is the idea to get it shining in the right direction. There's some smart lights right there, folks. I'm loving the sound of this idea as well. The old try-before-you-buy deal on EV cars? Well, it used to be Radio Rentals thing, didn't it? Yeah, you know, yeah Try-before-you-buy? Yeah, but um, yeah, particularly for electric cars, this is going to be fantastic. Yeah, it will be. One of the things that people often talk about with EVs, of course, is, oh, no, they're too dear, or how would I handle if I had to drive to name any place I want to drive to? And they just don't really get the feel or idea of it. And sometimes I think maybe it'd be a good idea, but oh, I don't want to go and invest all that money in it. Well, so yeah, head can be the head can be loaded with full problems, and um, you know it's that trying that, that can can dispel a lot of that stuff. Yeah, so there's a, a an Aussie car company or an outfitting company called Carbar, and a German battery company called Sonnen, 
and they've got together and created this this company, this concept, if you like, called Son and Drive. And it's a car subscription service. So it sounds like, well, fine, you can go and lease a car. What's the big deal here? But with this one, you can go and buy a car for two weeks. You can change it in two weeks' time. You can cancel it with two weeks, even maybe a week's notice. So you can try different vehicles. You can say, I'm, I'm thinking about an, an EV. I'll give one a go for a couple of weeks. Okay, yep, that's for me. No, it wasn't for me. I'll try a different model now. You can just get the feel of it, get the hang of it. And then if you like it, sure, hand it back and go and buy your car. The, the costing of them covers everything. So your, your registration's done, your insurance, your maintenance. So the only cost is the actual subscription fee that you pay, and that's it. You just take the car and away you go, charge up at home with a normal PowerPoint or charge up at some of the public charging infrastructure that's around the place. But again, it gives you that chance to have a crack, have a, have a go of these cars and see whether they're for you. It's almost like they're trying to incentivise people. Almost give, like you're trying to do that. <laughs> <laughs> trying, trying to give them some reason to buy electric cars. Maybe, oh, yeah. Imagine that sort of innovation. So they did some studies. Car Bar in particular did a study, and they said that 86% of subscribers would consider an EV in the next 12 months. Now, we, we've talked about that before where a lot of people in Australia want an EV, but they're just not quite there yet. And they, their stats show that as well. But also... I'm right there. Yeah, 55% yeah. of Aussies also said they thought EVs were too expensive. So this gives people the chance just to try out those and see what they think of it. I can throw a couple of prices at you just to give you an idea. A little MG EV... 319 a week, there's five different models, all the way up to the Tesla Model 3, which is 447 a week. Now, that sounds expensive. 447 a week, you go, well, that's kind of two grand a month you're going to be paying for that or, or mm. close enough. But So that sounds expensive. But that's not too far off a, another car loan for, a, say, a $50,000 car as well. Yeah, that's right. And also, keep in mind, that's everything. That's rego, insurance, the whole lot. And yeah, yeah. you might charge up at some of the free public infrastructure, so you're not paying for fuel as such. You might charge up at home. You might use off-peak to make it as cheap as possible. But in general, it's it, it's a little bit more expensive than you might expect to pay, but it is that flexibility. You don't like it after two weeks, hand it back. Yeah, wow. Uh, it's amazing, and I, and I really think it's, it's so important that we get some incentive to um, to steer people in that direction. Yeah. Uh, great to see some uh, initiative coming out of the private sector there. It's time for our weekly scammer alert. Um, <laughs> we, we tend to be um, hitting up on these scammers um, uh, on a weekly sort of basis. Now, heading into tax time, we've still got to stay vigilant, right? Who would have known there was a season for different types of scams? Yeah. So it's coming up towards... Tax time scam seasons. <laughs> so it just seems incredible. But the oh, ATO wow. has officially put out a warning to say, be aware, there are a whole bunch of MyGov email scams coming out. And I hate to say this, James, but the scammers are really clever. And I just hate calling them clever. I, I want to call them lots of other names. <laughs> but, I, but they're clever in the way they make the emails look so impressive. They look just like they came out of the ATO. And then when you click on the fake website link that you go on, you, you get to a site that looks exactly like a real ATO website. So it's very easy to be tricked. What these phishing scams are trying to do is get you to verify, in inverted commas, your details. And of course, oh, I thought the tax office might know my details, but okay, I'll, I'll, I'll go and do as the email from the ATO tells me to do, verify my details. What's that involve? That involves me putting in my name, my full name, of course, my full address, my tax file number, my date of birth, probably my banking details. Wow, that's everything you need yeah. to be identity th thieved. So yeah. all that information sent straight through to a scammer. They can then be you. They can then go and take out a loan in your name, 
pay some sort of a mobile phone subscription service, whatever they want to do in your name, they've basically got it. Then you get phone calls from debt collectors and say, I don't know about that luxury yacht that I just bought. Well, sorry, James, you've got one of those and you need to start paying it off. Thanks very much. Yeah, so this is becoming like Scam Defence 101, isn't it? Just if, if you've been contacted... They should already have all your details. You'd hope so. So they shouldn't be asking you to verify your own details. And so, yeah, we've just got to wake up to this sort of stuff. But as you say, it's just such an excellent case of mimicry that they do and they, oh, yeah. they do their homework and um, and set you up for a real trap. Yeah, that's right. And look, the ATO has put out a warning to say that we will never, never, ever, 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 ever send you an email and say, please click on this link. They might send you an email or a text and say, log on to your MyGov site and actually go and do something there. But they won't ever send you the link specifically because of this reason. They don't want to send a link and then get people used to the idea of clicking on a link. The other thing you can do is just do the link hover. That's a really simple thing for people to do. You hover over the link and when you see a domain name come up that is nothing like an ATO domain name, that's one thing that scammers don't often do. They don't try and create a domain name that looks a bit like the ATO, you say, well, that domain name of wobbledoobble.com probably isn't the ATO's domain name. I don't think clicking on that link is a good idea. Yeah, right. Yeah, so, but so again, hover first. Hover first, but, but I suppose the when real advice is just don't click. Just don't click, yeah. Yeah, yeah uh, they'll really chase you. Perhaps they'll give you one of those voice-automated um, phone calls um, that uh, tell me that I'm going to go to jail if I don't um, <laughs> do what they ask me to do or whatever. Oh, look, it's yeah, all what, sorts of things. Go to yeah. jail, lose your MBN connection, who knows, or, or miss out on that money that that friend in Nigeria left me all those oh, years ago. yeah, there is that time. And the, the European lottery that I won that time as well. Ah, <laughs> oh, goodness me. Now, some sage advice right there. And on to more news about bad guys. The US has taken another cyber attack hit recently. Yeah, that's right. And it's it's a colonial pipeline. They carry about 45% of the fuel supplies for the eastern side of the US. Yeah, so this is a big kahuna. It is. You're talking in the vicinity of 2.5 million barrels a day of jet fuel and normal fuel for, for vehicles. So it's a pretty big deal from a, a US perspective because if you just took away all that fuel from the east coast of America, you'd have a fair few cars yeah. just sitting in their parking lot, maybe not so much with planes at the moment. There's probably not so many planes flying at the moment, but it's five and a half thousand miles long. And, and when you think of a pipeline, you think of a big bit of pipe and some sort of fuel going through it. You don't really think it's open to a cyber attack because you think, well, it's just a pipeline. You're just pumping fuel down it. But of course, there are so many components along there that are controlled by computers. They've got various safety valves along the way. They've got various pumps they have to operate. You've got to maintain that pressure as well. Yeah, All of that. So there's so many things that are controlled by computers along there. So a cyber attacker comes along and says, we're just going to take down your computers, which will freeze that entire network. That's obviously big dollars there. So they've actually taken their whole system offline because they're worried about it. And then they said, we're not going to pay a ransom. And in fact, the US government said, don't pay ransoms. But after a couple of days, they went, gee, you know, we're, we're suffering pretty badly here. Kind of need to get that fuel. Yeah, so they paid a ransom, $5 million, which doesn't seem like much compared to how much they were losing, but $5 million was paid. Now, there's been a bit more work done on this since this, because this is a couple of days ago that this all happened. And the, the organisation that's been responsible for this is an organisation called DarkSide. Now, DarkSide doesn't actually go and do the cyber attacks. DarkSide is a company that creates software to enable you to do cyber attacks. Oh, they're good people. Oh, lovely. So if you want to be a cyber attacker, James, and you don't have the skills to go out and be a cyber attacker, you just team up with someone like DarkSide, you pay them a commission based on 
whatever ransom that you get, and they'll happily provide the software for you. So, oh, my goodness. They're a wonderful organisation <laughs> out there. The funny part is... The, the plug has officially been pulled. We're all going down the drain. <laughs> we are. This is the sort of people we have. But the real interesting part here is this obviously had the ability to cripple parts of the United States, and other people might get other ideas about doing this sort of cyber attack. So Darkseid has come out and said, look, sorry about that. This is one of our partners, they call them, that's actually done this. We don't approve of this sort of attack on crucial infrastructure. We just say, go and attack other things that won't really impact the, the daily lives of people, just organisations that have got some money and want to pay it to us. So we're actually going to be a bit stricter on the people now that use our tools. Well, that's a relief. And So they're, they're very <laughs> genuine. They're, they're gentlemen, if you like. And yeah, they're going to make sure they're not, they're not attacking the essential infrastructure that keeps the country going, for example. So it's a confused world out there. Uh, but these people turn up to their daily jobs, James, and their daily job is to go and attack various sites or create software that will do that or get around the security software that's out there. It's an interesting set of morals that go behind that, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, very strange. Well, it's 2021, isn't it? Okay, now the headline on the next story is all about smartphones helping us to see in the dark. All I know is that if I'm checking my phone in the dark, all I can see afterwards is just this yellow blur. But um, <laughs> yeah, tell me more about this smartphones in well, the dark. We, we, we know vaguely about the idea of bats and they use echolocation, so bats can't see, obviously, or they're flying around in the dark, so they'll use some sonar to, to put out a signal and it bounces back and they can pick that up and use that to move around. So very clever. And as with so often, we look at nature and say, gee, someone got that right there. We should steal that idea. Yeah. And that's exactly what they've done with smartphones. They've got the ability now for any device, but they're using smartphones, any device that put out a sound and it's got a microphone, so your notebook, your iPad, those sort of things, but they're using smartphones in particular. You can have that in a room, it can be completely in the dark, absolutely no light whatsoever, and it will use that same sort of echolocation concept, but even cleverer, dare I say it, than bats, it's only got the one microphone to pick it back up. A bat has got two ears, so you've got that stereo effect. But with the one microphone, it puts out the sound and can pick up that, use some pretty clever clever algorithms to actually come up with what is in that room, the shape of that room, things that are in the room, even the people direction. moving around the room. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, wow. so it actually draws, you can see a picture on your phone of what it looks like, not in colour, unfortunately, it's all in a, a nice shade it's of hard green. It's colour out of um, sound, but anyway, yeah, is, yeah, yeah, I hear you. So essentially, you're sitting there and, and you can see what's in that room. Now you think, well, big deal, why don't you just turn the lights on? The applications for this are things like, for example, in aged care, where you might have uh, people in a room, uh, in, in an aged care facility, for example, that you wanted to see whether they're breathing correctly. So this sort of echolocation could actually pick up the rise and fall of a chest of someone yeah, laying in wow. bed. It could actually pick them up if they get up in the middle of the night, for example, and someone might have dementia and they might start wandering in the middle of the night. This will pick them up in a very clever way to see that there's some shapes moving around, even though it might be completely dark, even for security. So you, you've got good security security cameras that can see at night, but this sort of thing would be even more sensitive than those security cameras picking up objects that are moving like humans, like burglars. So uh, I can see some applications. I actually think the, the researchers just thought, hey, this is a cool idea. Why don't we try this it is one? It's a very cool idea. Um, I can also see applications in rescue as well. Um, you know, in those holes where, you know, you know, might, light might be difficult to be able to use. Um, yeah, yeah. Sound is another option. Yeah, yeah good idea. Wow. So look, it is amazing the sort of things we do. And I think sometimes... We as a society or as a, as a mankind create things not really knowing what we'll do with them. And then once you've got it, you start playing around and you go, hey, wow, we could use it for this. So sometimes you don't really know the end game until you've got it and start using it and those things come to different people, different ideas come to different people. 
Well, folks, um, you're going to love this. Uh, it's another story about electric cars. This time we've got um, the famous composer, Hans Zimmer. Uh, you might remember him uh, from The Lion King or The Pirates of the Caribbean. Uh, he composed the music for, for those fantastic franchises there. He's been employed by BMW for an interesting reason. Yeah, and it's, it's really interesting, James. I've driven some electric vehicles that have got fake noise in them because I think that some people still want to hear that roar of the engine. Yeah, that, that's a real thing, isn't it? It like is, People yeah. need to hear the sound of an engine. Well, some people do. I actually love the idea of the quiet car that I drive, <laughs> but some people do, and I've driven cars and I've chosen different sounds. I've, I've chosen an aggressive V8 or just a, a nice inline six or whatever, so you can choose different sounds and then you, you put your foot down the accelerator and you hear this noise, it sounds just like an engine. <laughs> But being, Without annoying the neighbours, right? Well, it's, yeah. it's just coming through the speakers inside the car. Yeah. So you're right, it's not <laughs> blasting everyone as you drive down the street. I love it. Yeah. But BMW have said, this whole EV thing, we can really recreate everything. We've got a blank canvas to work with. So why do we have to have these sounds that replicate a good old-fashioned petrol engine? Why don't we come up with something different? Hence, they went to an Academy Award winner, why not? Hans Zimmer, as you mentioned, and said to him, we want you to create sounds that kind of give you the ambience that you want when you're driving an EV. And I've got a sample here for you, James. I've got different samples depending on the sort of mood, the, the mode that you put that car in. So I'll let you listen to a couple of these and you tell me your impressions about these. That's fantastic. I love the idea of maybe feeling like I'm driving the uh, piloting the Millennium Falcon or something like that, or <laughs> maybe a Tie Fighter, or, and getting that <laughs> that that super um, special effect going there. I think that's great. I, I can also imagine maybe like a full choir that sings louder as you rev the engine uh, harder or, or softer. Yeah, you could be conduct conductor while you're driving. Yeah. So it's really interesting that whole concept. And BMW would talk about, for example, they might have comfort mode, and so some of the sounds that we heard then I can see being that nice soothing sort of feel and, and yeah, exactly to right. you off to your sleep while <laughs> yeah, you're right the wheel. <laughs> so you can you can have that sound going while you're driving in nice passive mode but then if you want to be a bit aggressive and they're talking about one of their M series their, their famous sports mode M series having a more aggressive sound probably I can see some harsher sounds and that's so maybe some more uh, percussion for for example might be in that not that I've got any expertise in music here James but you can just see that 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 sort of or hear that sort of sound of really harsh sounds building to a crescendo as, you, as you're getting faster. And look, it's an interesting concept. Oh, look, there's a bunch of petrol heads out there right now that are shaking their heads at this thinking, this is ridiculous. Why <laughs> would you ever want to do that? But there is definitely a market out there for that. There is, there is. And it's it's new. And this is the, the really exciting thing. And they even talk about it saying that the soundscape of an electric car is like a blank canvas. It's up to the artists, and in this case, someone like Hans Zimmer, to create that impression. So you might start to get to the point where you choose your EV based not on the looks of it or the specs of it, but you might choose it because it's got a, a better soundtrack than another EV. Because it plays jungle noises while you're driving down the highway. Yeah, why not? <laughs> That's excellent. Anyone who knows this show knows that we're pretty damn interested in electric vehicles. 
there are no surprises that we're all up on the, the Ford's latest with their electric ute. This is going to wind up our rev heads once again. We've got this ute that's coming out that's a, an electric car. I don't mean to, James, but I just seem to have these EV stories every week. There's so many great. EV I stories. Yeah. It's, I, I try not to, but I, I just get bombarded <laughs> with so many EV stories. That, that it's all it's a really exciting space in the whole EV market at the moment. But the F-150, the Ford F-150, the, the truck as they call them in America, or as we'd call them here as a, a ute, that's been the biggest selling truck and, in fact, the biggest selling vehicle in the U.S., for the last 40 years. Yeah, of and course. And, of course, you... Because it's big. <laughs> it's big. And it's got a big engine. That's right. And it sucks a lot of gasoline. And why not? Because petrol's cheap in America, so yeah. why bother? <laughs> so they, Ford, are about to release their F-150 electric version. So you can imagine, their target market probably is the people who like to burn lots of petrol and, right. and who cares about it and make noise as you go and I don't want those wussy little Hans Zimmer noises. <laughs> I want some real noises going from my, from my exploding petrol engine. But the F-150, they've got a name for it now. It's called the Lightning. It might be a throwback to back in the early 90s, there were some F-150 trucks called Lightning. I'm not sure what the Lightning pertained to then, but obviously now it refers to electricity. And they're, they're pretty impressive vehicles. So this is going to be the debut. This is going to be the first release of all the specifications. We'll find out exactly how much power, the range. We don't know any of those things at the moment. All we know is that there's going to be an F-150 released in about a week's time. It's going to be called the Lightning, and it's going to get people... Polarised, I think, yeah. anyway. <laughs> well, it definitely will. It's got the propensity to really get some noses out of joint, but also bring some new people along. Yeah, that's right. But look, I imagine that it will be something that has specs, acceleration specs, power specs, towing specs, that will blow the old F-150 out of the water because I don't think Ford know their market obviously better than I would, but I, I don't think they would release something that would be inferior in any way to an existing F-150. It would be too easy to be criticised by the opposition. Yeah, so if it's easy to criticise, it only needs to be a little bit worse yep. and um, there's your your entire investment gone. And it is an investment. You, you've hit the nail on the head. Ford said that they'll spend $11.5 billion over the next couple of years to produce a dozen different electric models of cars. So significant dollars we're talking about there. They've already spent about half a billion with uh, with Rivian, so they've invested or co-invested with Rivian a half a billion dollars there. They've got their uh, Mustang, the Mac-E Mustang. I'd love to see that brought here because the Mustang's got such a great reputation. So they've already started delivering Mustangs to people. So Ford, I think, for a really old traditional manufacturer, going back to good old Henry That's back in, old in the early 1900s. Yeah, 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 yeah. So for Ford to say this electric thing, we've got to get on board, I, I think that's really throwing down the gauntlet to a lot of other traditional manufacturers. Well, yeah, it's a market that has to get moving. Moving on from electric vehicles and diving a little bit deeper in, shall we say, um, uh, we're now into autonomous vehicles. Um, ladies and gentlemen, you probably loved um, Arnold Schwarzenegger in Total Recall back in the mid-90s there. Uh, and I remember a scene there where they got into, they're in Mars, uh, on Mars I should say, and they jumped into a taxi and there was no driver. It was a robotic uh, taxi. You're in a Johnny Cat. Matt, tell us more about this, where we're headed for the robotic taxi, is that right? We're here now. In fact, there's there's five places in the world at the moment that you can actually have a robo-taxi. So some of those robo-taxis have someone in the driver's seat and they do nothing, just there to make people feel comfortable. But you've got two places in California. Imagine being employed just to chat. Just, to, just <laughs> to make people feel like it's safe here, even though I'm doing nothing. I don't have a driver's license, sorry about that. And you don't have to talk. A lot of people get into a taxi, they don't want to talk anyway. Exactly right, exactly right. So there's three places in 
China and two places in California, you can you can actually get in. So one they're now. running now. They're running right now. They're trying to get more approvals to go into more places and get to the point where there's absolutely no one in the in the car or in the robo taxi whatsoever. But already these vehicles have driven without the help of humans. They've driven five million kilometres. They've only got an operational domain of about 850 kilometres. So it's not like you can jump in one in one town or city and say, take me those 400 kilometres across to another place. They've got a, a very specific area they have mapped out, which is only about 850 kilometres of roadways, which sounds like a lot, but across five cities is not a huge amount. But there's been 250,000 robo-taxi rides that have been taken already. Yeah, so right. it's so happening. people are jumping into it. They are, literally. but... The newest version of the, and this is Pony.ai, the company that's got these robo-taxis running, the newest version of their vehicles, this is the thing they think is really going to make the breakthrough. Because at the moment, you see the taxi and you know it's got something different because it's got a big bucket on top that spins around with its LiDAR on it. And you can kind of see that there's something different going on here. The newest version of these vehicles that will be produced by next year, so it's not that far away, they've basically got all the LiDAR hidden down in a small compartment in the roof. So it just looks like almost a little bubble on the roof. And you go, oh, it's an interesting design of a car. But in that bubble is all the technology that at the moment in cars is a big bucket on top that spins around. Yeah, so when you okay. walk up to this car, you'll just go, oh, groovy looking car, interesting roof. It's and you get in. Yeah. And then yeah. you say, well, Where's the driver? I'll, I'll wait for the driver to come along, but there is no driver. So you won't really know it's that different until you get in the car and notice there's no driver oh, in there. Me. The first time I can imagine be really disconcerting for you. Yeah, absolutely. It's a bit like when I've driven my car hands-free, and of course I wouldn't take my hands off the steering wheel because that would be illegal, James. Oh. But when I rest my hands on the steering wheel very loosely, which is legal, and let the car drive around a corner, it's really disconcerting but even with passengers and I say watch this I've got my hands loosely on the wheel and it goes around a corner and it's, it's just a really weird concept seeing that steering wheel move underneath your hand so go one step further than that when you're not even sitting in the driver's seat sitting in the back seat watching this car just drive around the streets of a city it's a really well scary I'm excited by this I know I've got a son who I don't think will ever hold a driver's license uh, and so he needs some independence he yeah. needs to be able to get around town so I look forward to them hitting our town shortly yeah yeah so anyway it's, it's using lidar it's got four lidar sensors on it front back out to the sides they've got a range of about 500 meters so look it's it's all the technology that's being developed to make all this happen there's a bit of an argument about some different companies using video rather than lidar but in my opinion, that the real solution is a combination of both. But the general view here is that this is happening. You can bury your head in the sand if you like, but this is happening. And before we know it, we'll be getting in a taxi that's got no driver in there. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I can only imagine. And right now, I've only got Total Recall uh, from the 1990s to help me out with that. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you again for tuning in. This has been Tech Talk with Matthew Dickerson. I'm James Eddy. It's been a pleasure speaking with you.